Public CEO Report is a podcast that provides insights about the public sector and public policy for the benefit of decision makers and leaders powering our communities. I'm your host, writer Todd Smith, and today we're joined by Jeff Kors, Palm Springs Councilmember, and Beth Haney, your Belinda Councilwoman, who are both co-chairs of the California Mayor's Coalition. Jeff and Beth, welcome to the Public CEO Report. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Ryder. Of course. So uh, first of all, tell me about what you do in local government. Beth, we'll start with you. Hi, so I am a city councilwoman for the city of Yorba Linda. I was originally elected in 2016 and then just got reelected. I actually ran unopposed in 2020. Um, I was I served as mayor in 2020 and started off um, in city government because I'm also a nurse practitioner and I was I served over about 10 years or so on our state board. And so when I was rolling off that board, I saw that there were three city council seats available in my city. And so I thought, oh, I'll just I'll run for a council seat because first of all, I love my community. And second, I have you know, a decade of experience up in Sacramento and coalition building and working, you know, across uh, different, you know, with different stakeholders. And so I thought it'd be, it'd be good to get involved with my city and, and uh, try and, you know, keep it on the right path. And for those who don't know, your Belinda is located in Northern Orange County, nestled up against the hills. Uh, I think your tagline is the land of gracious living, if I recall correctly, one of the more memorable ones. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, and Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself, what city you're in and uh, what, what roles you play there and how long you've been connected in the local government world. Uh, sure. So I'm on the city council in Palm Springs, tagline like no place else. And I was elected in 2015 uh, and reelected in 2019 for my second term. Um, I have been involved in local government for decades. Uh, I worked as chief of staff and head of uh, sort of legislative policy for a San Francisco supervisor, um, council member, since it's a joint city, uh, back 30 years ago or so, and have been involved in public service almost my whole career. Uh, I served for nine years as executive director of Equality California, uh, pretty much built that organization, the statewide LGBT rights organization. Uh, I've served as uh, on the boards of League of Conservation Voters and chaired their PAC in San Francisco. Currently, I'm vice uh, president of the Boys and Girls Club here, uh, but I've done a lot of government work throughout my career, uh, both state, national, and local. Excellent, quite a career service both of you. Thank you both for your efforts and energies working at various levels of government to improve the conditions for average Americans across uh, your communities and beyond. Um, and now, so we have you both here today because you are also both co-chairs of the California Mayor's Coalition. Uh, could uh, Beth, you want to tell me what is the California Mayor's Coalition? So the California Mayor's Coalition is a coalition of mayors from across California. And currently we have about 140 members, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have about 140 mayor members. And um, the the uh, coalition was formed in 2020 as a result of COVID. Um, Jennifer Fitzgerald, former mayor of Fullerton, is the founder, and she she realized that, gosh, you know, some of the larger cities are getting more money, more attention from the state government and the federal government, and so she created this this coalition and got all of us mayors together. 
or many of us mayors together so that we could you know share best practices um, we're a nonpartisan group so we stay away from partisan issues but our main our main um, mission was to ensure that that smaller cities that are under 300,000 had a seat at the table and our voices were heard as well as the 13 largest cities which have 300,000 or more they were getting the lion's share of funding and attention from um, governments so uh, we that the coalition was formed and we've been getting more and more members as the as the uh, as 2021 goes on so it's it's been really fun and, and quite an honor to um, lead this group with with Jeff. Well, and I say, you know, in the spirit of nonpartisan, I guess, given your backgrounds, your respective backgrounds and geographies, I'm going to guess you you both may disagree politically on several areas, but you both agree on the power of local government and the mission of the California Mayor's Coalition. Is that a fair statement, Jeff? Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the great things about the coalition, and, um, which, and I love working with Beth and Jennifer on this, is we all are here to help our residents and our local businesses, and we believe passionately in that. And while we may not all agree on every issue that's going forward in Sacramento or in DC, we are really united to make sure that the smaller cities, over 400, 72% of Californians live in cities with less than 300,000 people, get our fair share of resources and that our voice is heard. And even if we're not all in agreement, we need to make sure our voices are heard to the same extent the mayors in those big cities are heard. And so that's been a big part of our advocacy. And I think some of it's been successful in really educating electeds, including our own electeds in our cities, but throughout the state and through meetings you know, with uh, statewide electeds and uh, Speaker Rendon about this disparity and really advocating to end that disparity in funding to make sure that our residents are equally taken care of. So uh, there's a lot to unpack there and everything you guys discuss. So I guess the first thing I'll talk about or ask, um, when you talk about the coalition, you have over 140 members. Uh, is that member cities or is that actual people members? And if it's member cities, how many cities are involved and how far north? Because you are both based in Southern California cities. How far north do you reach? We reach pretty up, pretty far north. Um, and they're, they're individuals, not, not necessarily cities. Um, Gosh, we have the mayor of uh, La Quinta, so down south. I don't think we go down as far as San Diego. Um, Jeff, do you do you have any idea? Um, yeah, I, mean, I know that we have mayors. a bunch. I know in the Bay Area, um, and I think we have some north of that uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And that's really been filling out. I think it did start primarily. Right? I think Orange County was sort of the the start of this, and it started spreading out and. Uh, I joined and a number of the uh, mayors in the Coachella Valley have joined. Uh, but you know, the number of mayors and the number of cities is pretty much the same, right? So other than the founding mayors, it all rotated to new, right? So the new mayors and the cities that rotate, not all of them do, some rotate, some don't, as far as who the mayor is on council. And so, yeah, I guess that's one thing too, is the mayors rotate. You uh, both identified yourselves as council members when we were prepping for this conversation, yeah. meaning your former mayors. Uh, or recovering marriage, depending upon your perspective. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, but yet you are still involved with this organization. So, and you mentioned something about founding mayors. So if you were kind of a part of the founding round, you get to hang around and, and continue on, even if you're not a mayor necessarily, is that right? Correct. Yes. And the goal was to have some continuity uh, with that changeover. 
Yeah. So sure. you may have to change over. Sure. And how much? Yes. So. Oh, I was ahead. just going to say, so the, the founding mayors are the ones that were um, included in 2020, that joined in 2020. And then as some of your, your viewers might not know, but, but typically city councils members are elected to the city council and they'll serve a, a four-year term. And the council will elect the mayor, whereas in a lot of the bigger cities, most of the bigger cities, the mayor is directly elected by the public and they'll serve two to four years depending on, on what they're doing. And so that's, that person stays as mayor, but for, for cities like Palm Springs and Yorba Linda, we rotate. And so as soon as this, the city residents realize who the mayor is, it changes. So we keep them in a constant state of confusion. Right. <laughs> but yep. That's how it goes. That's a fair statement. Well, I will certainly say for coalition building purposes and advocacy up the kind of food chain of government, consistency and leadership is pretty important. So it was good yes. for the mayor's coalition to be flexible in your approach. Absolutely. Because once you're a mayor, you you can stay on as mayor and as a former mayor. So like, for example, Jeff and I are now council members, but we're all we're also considered founding mayors. So once we get a mayor on, they can stay on in perpetuity. Okay. So let's talk about a different uh, aspect, which is you have this coalition. You talked about uh, Jennifer uh, Fitzgerald helping to uh, form the California Mayor's Coalition. I should pause here and just fully disclose for audience that Tripepi Smith was also involved in putting together some of the website and graphics for that uh, organization to help Jennifer out. And then um, ultimately, uh, or I should say, help out the mayors, not just Jennifer. Um, and then uh, also full disclosure is that Jennifer Fitzgerald ultimately ended up joining our team here at Trepepe Smith when she made a, a move with her family. Um, so she's actually part of the Mayor's Coalition has really run through our operations here at the firm. Um, having having said that, what like how often do you guys get together? And, and a, as two of the founding mayors who were involved, what, what do you get out of it? What is that experience like? What could others expect if they join the organization? Jeff, why don't we start with you? If you want, sure. Uh, so uh, last year we met uh, weekly, every Friday during uh, lunchtime. Uh, and that was really COVID focused. A lot of the early stuff was very COVID focused, both funding, but also sharing information, what was happening in your city, right? And so much, how testing was rolling out, how vaccines were rolling out. Uh, and to some degree, just having other people who were in the same position during a, this, public health crisis to talk to. And I think that was really helpful uh, for all of us to share information and share ideas. And then we moved to uh, twice a month uh, for this year. Uh, and you know it ranges how many people are on, often based on who our speaker is. Uh, but at least for me, I have found it really helpful in one, getting ideas, right? I mean, you know, all of our cities are different, but there's a lot of things that you learn from one another. And to really be able to have those more in-depth conversations with a group, I think is really helpful. And also being able to you know, have those meetings that many of the cities would not be able to have on their own, right? With the speaker, right? with the state treasurer, with so many others, uh, that only happens because you know, we're a group and we're a coalition. So mm -hmm. I think it's really helped us lend our voice with Senator Padilla and others on the issues that are important to us and have their ear for an hour. Now, Beth, you want to add to and, that? Yes. Um, thank you, Jeff. Um, the other the other things too are 
we could identify with each other and we all realized we were in the same boat as far as trying to save our small business communities um, and down to simple things like, are you guys having fireworks this year? And, and if so, how are you doing that? Because, you know, because with social distancing and all. And so we really got to bounce um, ideas off of each other. And the other thing, too, that we realize is all up and down the state is that we were all um, suffering kind of all in the same boat. You know, we we weren't sure, like, are we going to have to cut public safety? Are we going to have to cut food services for our seniors or what? And uh, something that we did in your Belinda, we we um, kept our our senior, uh, they called it meal gap program going. And so we were able to offer, you know, sometimes three meals a day that the seniors or their their advocate could come or family member could come drive through. We just would hand them the bags and of frozen food or meals prepared by local restaurants. And then they would take them home, you know, so they could stay safe. But uh, so it was really neat because we could get ideas from each other. Well, I, I generally would observe like leadership can be lonely and um, cities rarely compete with each other. Uh, it sometimes can be around economic development issues, certainly, but generally don't. Right. So the spirit of camaraderie and idea sharing has always been strong in the city community. We work a ton of city managers and they love to share. And I see that. Um, with association groups too, right? I mean, these associations and local government run deep. There's lots of associations and local government constantly trying to share best practices, idea, and spread information like wildfire through uh, through organizations so they learn quickly about what's going on and um, how, to, how to kind of be better. So I could well imagine as leaders in your respective cities in a very dynamic time, it was just helpful to have a sounding board of peers to collaborate with. And that probably continues to this day. I mean, frankly, the pandemic's not over. We're still dealing with a very volatile situation, right, Jeff? Absolutely. And I think that having that sounding board is working together is really helpful. And of course, we all, um, you know, all of our cities, I believe, are a city manager form of government. So, um, you know, the councils work together and you have those sounding boards, but, you know, we only can talk to one other council member. Uh, due to the Brown Act, that I get to talk to 50, 60 mayors every, you know, other other Friday. And so it really does, for me at least, it really makes me think of things in a different light than I might not have been looking at them. Um, That's right. That's a really good point about the Brown Act issue. I mean, it, it is a way for you to talk with peers without getting into trouble for the Brown Act and respecting the Brown Act, which is important, and we understand that. So um, but very healthy. The uh, coalition is so nimble too. If we if we ever need anything, you know, there we have an email list that we can we can you know shoot out pertinent information. Or if we needed to, you know, if Jeff and I needed to do anything regarding the meetings, you know, getting speakers or what have you, we're we're very nimble. So that was that was very helpful. Yeah. Jeff, I'm curious. So the mayor's coalition kind of grew up in the midst of the pandemic. Um, and was formed right organically and then exploded really given the, the size of the membership that grew and and i guess to be clear for cities too there's no fee to get involved right you just simply register your interest and you can show up right that's correct and fortunately we have great pro bono support so um so you're from your firm and others so thank you for that definitely uh, yeah, well, and we should also mention Townsend Public Affairs is also contributing. Uh, they contribute their public affairs angle and kind of lobbying insights and legislative insights as well. So credit to Townsend Public Affairs, yeah. too. Um, so uh, let's see. The, angle, the thing I wanted to clarify is this was free. It was, it was organically created. It sprung up initially from uh, Jennifer Fitzgerald talking to her fellow Orange County mayors and then going from there. 
Uh, this was obviously done in the context of there being many other association groups in local in California in general. So not to pick on them, of course, but why why was California Mayor's Coalition necessary in that context? Uh, I think for the reasons we've discussed, right? You know, it was really clear during the pandemic that mayors maybe even had an oversized role than we would normally have um, outside of this public health emergency. Uh, and I think we were probably talking to our state electeds even more frequently than we normally would, as well as to our congressional representatives. And so to be able to share what we we're doing together, uh, I think it wasn't happening through other organizations because those entities weren't sort of set up to do that. And I'll just give you, you know, one example. Right? When the first federal uh, CARES Act COVID funding came to the state, you know, the big six or seven largest cities, over 500,000 received about $180 per resident. Mm -hmm. and then the legislature um, gave the rest of the group of 13, which is uh, about six or seven cities that are 300 to 500, $82 per person. And the rest of us got $12 per person. So it created these incredible disparities where the nine cities in the Coachella Valley have more people than the city of Riverside, but they got like seven times more money than we did. And I think that really is when we started seeing some more growth in the coalition and we really started lending our voice and started reaching out to our members of Congress and to our state electeds. And the next round that came out, uh, and we really advocated strongly for this, actually was much more equally distributed. And, you know, it was hard, I think, you know, I'll speak for myself, and I know Beth and I have talked about this in agrees to see, um, you know, Mayor of Long Beach is a great guy, I like him a lot, but, you know, putting out how they were, you know, doing this internet expansion and building parklets and giving a million dollars to cultural centers, because they got, they successfully lobbied for all that money with the group of 13 mayors. And we were struggling, you know, to be able to do rental assistance, right? Because we got so little funding, even though our budget gap was bigger in Palm Springs as a tourism city. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, it came out of that really well so far, knock on wood, but yeah. then some of the other cities. And so that disparity was really important. And if you go to our website, you'll start seeing some of that information that we all really did that. We shared our stories. We did videos of our stories of the impacts to our cities because we weren't getting an equivalent amount of relief per person and how that was hurting our businesses and our residents. And I think that's the thing that doesn't exist in the other organizations. Fair point. Beth, anything else you wanna to add to that? Mm, not, not really, but boy, Jeff is spot on. That's right. No. And we so met with what, you know, the head of the league uh, as well, right? To share you know, how we could work together. Uh, but you know, things go through the league on a slower basis, understandably, right? Then mm -hmm. we could act and get a press release out and talk about who is going to call which member of Congress and which member of legislature and reach out to Speaker Rendon to get him on Zoom within two weeks and get Senator Padilla on to really make the case directly to people who are in those negotiations in the room deciding how that funding was going to be spent. And that's the speed we can operate under, which I think Way is really COVID and adapting is certainly important. I mean, that was a lesson I think most organizations figure out. It's just the speed to adapt is critical when you're in a oh. super dynamic situation like that. Definitely. Any other, so you talked a little bit about your successes advocating for a more equitable distribution. I'm assuming equitable, you know, defined by per head funding effectively or per resident funding. Any other uh, wins from the last, from the 2020 you want to talk about? Or would you like to talk a little bit about 
I, I'm curious what your 2021 objectives are, because a lot of this is centered around COVID. Um, COVID is thankfully, uh, we have recently had a surge, but generally in the scheme of things waning. Uh, we hope to be at least going from a pandemic to an endemic in worst case scenario, where it's going to be around, but more mild or I guess better controlled. Um, what happens What happens when the pandemic is over? What, what remains for the mission of uh, Mayor's Coalition? Well, well I, I, just, think, oh, I was just going to say, I think it's uh, for now until some other gigantic surprise <laughs> comes along our way. Um, I think that maintaining city government, um, I hate to say local control because that, that implies that we want that the city leaders want control, but it's more like resident control to make sure that the residents, when they are voting for something, that they are getting what they're voting rather than getting uh, the city leadership, like right now, dictated to by Sacramento. And and so I'm the chair of the Orange County Waste Management and Recycling Commission. And, you know, Sacramento is pushing down these regulations or these laws on every single city about organic waste and mm -hmm. recycling and things like that without. So they're, they're having these uh, they're uh, putting down these unfunded mandates to us. And so now we're all responsible for that. And it's just things like that. But the uh, local land use is is very important for all of us cities because we're so different. I mean, Palm Springs is much different than your Belinda. That's much different than Fresno. So it's it's uh, it. I think that the the control needs to stay local. We all have different local needs. And so I think it should be local uh, local laws and local governance that kind of rules that. Jeff, you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I'll follow up on that because I think we all have different views on what issues should be local control and what should be Sacramento. But what we did is so we invited Senator Scott Weiner to join us so he would hear the different concerns and people had different views on those bills. But having that voice and doing that moving forward earlier in the session as these things come up. So the people who could change the bills are hearing from the cities, the smaller cities, early in the process. And I think several of us had different ideas on ways we might have wanted to amend the bill, uh, those bills, but how do we get that voice early? And so I think that's a big piece of what we're working on. We're uh, talking next year, we would have done it this year minus COVID, um, is doing a, a legislative day with mayors in Sacramento. And to really just continue to elevate the voice, um, you know, have regular meetings with the speaker and with the Senate pro tem and really make sure that our voices are being heard. And we really have to work together to get our voices heard on the same level as you know, cities with a million or more people or 300,000 or more people, because you know, those 13 cities have a lot of legislators, right? Most of us have one at best, right? Or part of a little part of one. And so that's really important. But one of our other goals this year, and we've talked to this on every time we have a member of the legislature on with us is how we're doing the funding moving forward, that we really need to look at per capita funding or funding that's based on something. So I'll just give you an example. Homelessness, right? Again, it was the big 13 cities are the only ones who got funding with some one-offs. Um, we got a one-off because our assembly member was able to successfully make a case for us, but it wasn't based on the point in time count. It wasn't, it was just simply based on they're the largest city, so we'll give them money and you know the rest of you try and get it from your counties. That didn't make sense, right? So I think there are a lot of those examples where we really should be looking at the need 
And if not, we should be doing a per capita. And we really want to start getting that a little more, more attention to it in Sacramento, right? Mm -hmm. And we're only going to do that if we have the cities that have the majority of the population speaking together with one voice. And we're all in agreement on that piece. So I think one thing I, I recollect you said earlier is like the California Mayor's Coalition is pretty careful about taking positions on issues, which a lot of coalitions, frankly, are because you got a lot of diverse views and you cited that you guys have diverse views um, and you're nonpartisan. And you kind of I, I, I kind of get the sense in my experience that there's actually kind of a welcomed area to have some debate and discussion because there's frankly not enough healthy civil discourse and disagreement in our society these days. So it's nice to have a safe space to get some of that done. Uh, but generally, the mayor's coalition doesn't take a position on a particular piece of legislation or bill if there's not unanimity in the in the perspective. Is that an accurate statement? Yes, that is an accurate statement. And you know, our coalition, we all respect one another, whether we disagree or agree, and we have civil discourse. And it is really, it's really a wonderful um, experience. And we get a lot of things done because of that. You know, if there's something that we all agree on and we need to get the message out to our communities, we're more effective that way. We are, we're um, able to write op-eds for newspapers and, you know, whatever whatever it takes. It's it's really good because it really has brought people together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just to follow up on what you said is it really is a space where people can share very different perspectives. And I haven't ever seen a situation where not everyone is listening. Right. I always walk away, you know, at council meetings, I change my mind sitting up there because I'm hearing different perspectives. And so we get to do that outside of the political light and the media where people are really willing to ask questions uh, to learn more. And for me, that's been really useful, you know, yeah. in me formulating policy and what I want to advocate for as well. I agree. And, and uh, most of us have very open minds, just like Jeff said. You know, it's like we're we have our our thoughts and positions, but then on the other hand, we have open minds. And if we're we're all communicating and talking with one another, it's like, gosh, you could you could change someone's mind, you know, yeah. just with some facts. Facts matter. Facts yes. matter. Um, any are there any 2021 policy positions you guys have taken or policy goals, uh, or is it really focused on this ongoing equitable funding question as as money kind of rains down from the feds in the state? I mean, we were all really um, among the goals that we set at the end of last year for this year. I mean, a number of them were COVID related, right? We want to make sure we were getting the same timely information as others were. And I think that's gotten much, much better uh, in all the cities getting information uh, before, you know, we get calls from the media and our residents asking about it because they've seen it from someone else. So I think right. that's gotten a lot better. Uh, we were all unanimous that we wanted to keep the entire economy open in a safe way. And while we may differ on exactly what that looks like in our cities, we really wanted to get that message out because I think our residents need to hear that message. Right? And there was not one person on, no matter where they were politically or anything else, who didn't feel we want everything to be open as safely as possible. Mm -hmm. And so then we have had some conversations, our experience, right? Palm Springs has had stricter rules than most of the state throughout this. And I was able to share, you know, whether people think it's a good or bad idea that we have these rules, what our experience was, what we're hearing from our restaurants who are asking for vaccine or testing protocols. So other people can hear that. And you know, then you hear from other cities that may not have the same tourism who find those kind of things, they see it a drop in business. And so we all get to hear the different sides of it. And I think we all do better policy 
and better understanding when you're hearing from a resident or business who's upset about your decision, you're much better prepared because I say, okay, I didn't think of it that way. Uh, and so I've, you know, those are among our, our goals this year. The funding's a big piece. Continuing to have a better voice by doing a legislative day, seeking, you know, meetings with the governor so he can hear from our voices. I think those are other big pieces for us. And then continuing to monitor um, local control issues and just make sure that city councils are going to stay effective and and doing the job that they're elected to do and able mm -hmm. to do that job. I think one thing I've heard multiple times here was just the kind of freedom of conversation and, and ideation and actually being able to bounce ideas around. And you are correct. I mean, the Brown Act really prohibits your ability to have a deep conversation with your peers on council up, up until you're in front of the under the bright lights on the dais. And usually that's in the context of a limited agenda item. So intellectual exploration of policy challenges is really hampered, I think, in that environment. And I well understand why the Brown Act exists. Yeah. I'm not second guessing that, but for the sake of intellectual pursuit, um, it seems like mayors need, you know, you need some some elbow room to talk to peers outside of the city where you're not violating the Brown Act to have these conversations. Uh, and it sounds like your members have really benefited from having that that opportunity. I, I, and have you also brought other experts into your conversation, these biweekly or twice a month conversations to bring different facts and information for healthy discussion? Oh, yes. Um, I brought, I invited uh, David Crane to speak. Um, he's not a legislator, but he used to work for the Schwarzenegger and Brown administrations. And um, he's an economist and a lecturer or professor at Stanford on public policy. And he's fascinating to listen to. You know, he's uh, he really is fighting for transparency as far as the legislature and how legislators are voting versus what they're saying on social media. Um, and then also the finances, where does the money come from and where does it go? And so he was uh, very interesting to, to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And we had, you know, Marcy Frost from CalPERS on and Mayor Pro Tem Lisa Middleton from Palm Springs is a local government board member of CalPERS. We're gonna have her on this Friday yes. uh, to really talk about what's coming up at their November meeting. So she can hear from the mayors around the cities around our concerns on these issues. Yep. Fiona Ma had her. So yeah, and they share programs. We've had people share different programs that are going on. Uh, so we know about those, what grant funding is available at the state level, that's competitive grant funding. So we, we try and mix up the electeds with the experts and other right. things as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds yeah. like, uh, I guess, you know, it sounds like a pretty darn good resource for mayors throughout the 400 cities that are not the big cities, right? 400 plus cities in California that are not the big cities to have an opportunity. It really sounds like also the definition of membership is somewhat focused on uh, anybody under, what was it? Is it anybody under 300,000? Is that your kind of threshold effectively? 300,000 no, residents? No, no we uh, mayor, okay. I was just gonna say Mayor Garcetti is a member, you know, and his, his city is the largest in California. Oh, well, fair enough then. So it's whoever wants to be a member. Right. Open to all then. Mm -hmm. Open all right, all. that's fair. And if you were talking to a council member who hadn't heard anything about it, or rather a mayor who hadn't heard anything about it, uh, Beth, what would be the pitch? What would you say to them to invite them into this process? 
Oh, I would explain to them how it is an open forum for mayors and city, you know, city leadership or former mayors to to bounce ideas off each other, to have a seat at the table, to have your voice heard, to make an, to have an influence in Sacramento and uh, to make a lot of really good friends along the way. Awesome. OK. And Jeff, would you add anything to that? Uh, I think all those are a great uh, way to describe what the co coalition is. Uh, and I think it gives mayors a voice with state and federal leadership that would be very hard for many of the mayors to have on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd end up getting a staff person in a lot of the offices that they actually get to share. And I remember one meeting where, right, the mayor of Blythe could share what the COVID state rules were doing to a city like that um, with the governor's office. And that wasn't going to happen otherwise. And so I think that's great. I think it's really a great opportunity uh, to do that. And at the end, we always do a round robin where people share something good or interesting happening in their city. Um, and it's added to my list of cities, you know, I want to go to weekend away for a weekend too. Um, <laughs> But it also has brought up ideas, right? You hear that and you're like, oh, we should, why don't we do that? And so exactly. it's a way to share what your city does really well and a way to learn things from others that you can then copy, right? Because that's the best flattery. Uh, so I, I think that's part of it too. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's great. Um, anything else you guys want to cover today in terms of talking about the California Mayor's Coalition? I just want to add if any mayors are listening or future mayors or former mayors are listening and interested, they could join the coalition at the California Mayors Coalition.org and get more information. Uh, so I was gonna I was gonna make sure we plug that URL. So it's California Mayors Coalition.org. And then if somebody wanted to ask either of you questions, uh, I assume you both take emails in your respective council roles. Uh, Beth, what's your what's your email address if they want to get a hold of you? Mine is bhaney at yourbelindaca.gov. All right, Jeff. Jeff, G-E-O-F-F dot cores, K-O-R-S at palmspringca.gov. Great. Well, thank you very both. Uh, thank you both very much for your uh, leadership and for, you know, working hard in a very dynamic environment of COVID over the last 18 plus months to deliver for your communities and bring ideas forward and uh, work on this coalition, this important mayor's coalition to um, share information uh, both directions, right? Up up the food chain of politics and for fo focus on the people, experts and whatnot, up the food chain to share into the local communities with uh, local elected leaders about um, what's going on with these policies and issues. So You're I appreciate right. it. One thing I'll add is I think the highest form of government is local government because you're most directly connected with your people who you represent. Yes, you're actually touching them. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I shouldn't apply with my food chain yeah. comment that one is necessarily higher <laughs> than the other. Somewhere there's a chain and it's connected to it all. But I, I will say there's no winning on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I will you say you're backed by the data, right, which shows that local government is also the most trusted form of government. So. Uh, there is a huge advantage to be had there, particularly in a state of affairs we are today where distrust in institutions is running at a seemingly all-time high. So right. keep up the good work of transparency and engagement with your public. Great. Well, thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Ryder. Thank you. And that is today's report. My thanks to Jeff and Beth for joining us. From the whole public CEO team and myself, Ryder Todd Smith, thanks for your time. 
We hope you learned something new and inspiring that'll help you in your public service. Remember, Public CEO has a daily newsletter that is free to those who sign up at publicceo.com. If you have feedback, questions, or guest suggestions for Public CEO Report, please email alex at publicceo.com.